Welcome to episode 45, the very final episode of the Request 2021 podcast. I couldn't think of a more fitting way to finish um, and represent the legacy of the project by including my recent visit to the Downs Primary School in Deal, Kent. It includes me sharing the story of Request 2021 with the Year 6 class there as part of their work on Shackleton and Antarctica. So here goes. So it's a misty Monday morning in November and I'm driving into Deal and I'm going to be visiting the Downs Primary School. And I thought it'd be a, an appropriate way to finish the podcast with uh, me talking to some of the year six children about Antarctica, about Shackleton, about the wildlife and climate change. So uh, I've got two hours with them and uh, we'll see if we can, uh, with the permission of the teacher, get a bit of uh, recording um, so that we can actually uh, use that in this uh, final podcast episode. Obviously with the project coming to an end now, the Request 2021 project coming to an end, we're looking for ways to carry on the legacy. It was always our 10th objective to have a legacy. Um, and the outreach has always been part of that. So project objective five was outreach. Um, but the outreach, those of us uh, that went to Antarctica have been going out to schools and to uh, cub packs and to uh, brownies and guides and, and scouts telling them the story of our project. Um, obviously we've got the uh, the Request 2021 book, Dream Into Reality, that is available, that uh, is another legacy from the project. Um, and a very amateur uh, video that's on YouTube, Dream Into Reality, uh, that tells people about the project. But I'm excited today to, uh, to be talking to the younger generation because that's what it's all about. Um, our project, we always had the intention of sharing the dream into reality with, uh, with uh, young children to inspire them to follow their dreams and turn them into a reality. So I will uh, see how much recording we're allowed to do as we go into the primary school. Um, and uh, I'll make sure I've got permission for any of it to be used. So I've just arrived at Downs Primary School uh, where I'm going to be doing a presentation to the Year 6 children uh, for the next two hours. Hello, good morning. It's Alan Noak here for Tony Orham. Okay. Hello. 
Hello there. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. That's right. Hello. Yeah. Nice I'm Julie you. Chambers. I'm one of the TAs. Okay. We normally would have brought a child, but they're just doing their maths. That's okay. Their maths. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want So yeah. can I help you with them? Yeah. Here? If you want to take some of the lighter ones, uh, if you take those two. Got it. Oh, thank you. There we go. I oh, know. I've got too many books. There we go. Oh well. The you've been on. Some bits to show them. I've got any hands left. <laughs> there we go, thanks. I think we're in year six classroom, I was told. Yeah. Morning. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I keep bumping into you everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're both. So she's one of our scout leaders. So. Oh, right. Yeah. So these are some of the photos that I took when I was in Antarctica. I thought it might set the scene for you. Uh, so there's some of the wildlife and icebergs, and you'll also see the ship. So if you look out, you'll see pictures of the ship. And the ship is called the Bark Europa. You can see photos of it here.
So if you've seen the uh, BBC News story, I'll skip through that because then we can gain a bit of time. Okay. So we've got an iceberg here. It's very similar to the very first iceberg I saw in Antarctica. Now, the reason I chose this image is my very first iceberg, can you believe, had penguins on it. So I came up on deck onto the ship and I looked and I just couldn't believe that we had this wonderful iceberg, amazing, and it had a colony of penguins on it. So that's why I chose this. Now, I'm going to talk to you today, uh, we'll give you a little bit of the history of our project and tell you how it started. And then I'm going to take you on the voyage, take you to Antarctica and back with us. Okay. Um, and we'll try and do that now. So how long have we got now? We've got until... It's, our break time is 10-2. 10-2, okay. So I'll try and try and go in half an hour, we'll try and go to Antarctica and back. In the other session, I'm going to take you through some of our objectives. So what we wanted to achieve. And what you're going to learn is some of the projects that the young people that went to Antarctica did. Okay, so you're going to learn about those. So we'll... We'll go to Antarctica first, and then hopefully we'll have time to learn about Shackleton and some of the objectives, yeah? And hopefully, have yep. we got time, Chris? We've come up with some questions for you. Of course. Hopefully There'll the definitely be time, time for questions, yeah. yeah. So it all started for me with this book, um, so I brought it along. Uh, it's a very old book. It was published in 1923. So anyone doing the maths, that was 99 years ago. So, <laughs> so 1923. Um, and it was written by a scout. So I'm a scout, I've been a scout all my life, I'm scout leader now, okay? Um, and this scout, James Marr, he actually got to sail with Shackleton on Shackleton's last expedition. So he then wrote a book about his experiences. And you can buy a cheaper version of this on Amazon for about six or seven pounds, okay? This one cost about 50 pounds because it's the, it's the original book. And I've actually got it signed by his son, which is quite something. Um, so I met his son, and his son signed it for me. So that's my antique copy of Into the Frozen South. Now, I, I, I got this about seven years ago, and it got, gave me the idea of scouts going back to Antarctica, which is when I came up with the Kent Scouts Antarctica project. So we called it ReQuest. So the quest went in 1921. That was the ship that Shackleton sailed on, the quest. And we went in 2021, so we called it ReQuest 2021. That's where we got it from. Do you remember when we watched the, the clip the other day? Do you remember the man with the kitten on the shoulder? Yeah, I'm going to show you that now. That we, so, yeah. yeah. So, here we've got Shackleton and his crew on his final expedition, 20, uh, 1921, and you can see the two scouts here, very much part of the crew, right from the start. And this is the original film. This is actual film. This is, is not made up. This is actual film. It's one of the earliest films of any Antarctic expedition. And this was filmed in September 1921. And you can see here the two scouts on board and they were lifting their the flag and the flag was given them by King George V at the time that's the the Queen's grandfather and if you watch the ship is going to sail under Tower Bridge 
So we set ourselves the goal to launch our project of sailing under Tower Bridge. So you can probably see a photo of it somewhere on the board. There it is. So you can see here, there's the quest in 1921, sailing under Tower Bridge. And there's us in 2021, exactly to the minute, 100 years later, sailing under to launch our project. So we managed to achieve that. I was really proud of that moment. You can imagine I had a real lump in my throat when we sailed under Tower Bridge exactly 100 years after this happened. So that's the original film. Okay, so that's the history of why we went. So then we're going to look at the origins of that. We've talked about the book. So when I was at school, I was in the first city of London scout group. I went to primary school. I did go to primary school down here. I went to Northbourne Primary. Um, but before that, I went to a, a primary school in London, and I was in the first city of London scout group. And uh, I got a school prize. I got given this book here, Tales of True Adventure. And that's amazing. I got that prize when I was about your age, and it inspired me to really get into learn about uh, explorers and polar expeditions and in this case on the front I think that's uh, climbing Everest um, I haven't climbed Everest um, but it inspired me to find out about these expeditions and then when I got into scouting and I found out about James Marr and the Into the Frozen South book that's what inspired me to do this project now, I'm not going to take you through all the planning that goes into a project like this. I do that if I'm talking to the, the adults. But what we're going to do is introduce you to the team. So here they are. Okay, so there's the team of 10 of us that went to Antarctica. And um, you'll see uh, somewhere in the dream into reality, that's like this one. That was our motto, dream into reality. So have a big dream and turn it into reality. Um, and some of them have got the adventurer weights on. Um, so various different versions of the t-shirt. So we've got George from Faversham in Kent. Uh, Genevieve from Deal. So she's from Deal. Um, you've got Sam. He was one of our Scottish scouts. Now the two scouts that went with Shackleton 100 years ago were both Scottish. So we thought, if we're doing a Kent project, it's only, only right that we invite a couple of Scots to go with us as well. So we had two Scottish scouts. We had, uh, um, and then uh, Darcy from Thanet. Those of you who know, know uh, Ramsgate, she's from Ramsgate. And Alex is the other Scottish scout. And then we've got Lucy from Tunbridge in Kent. We've got, uh, um, this, this is Cathy. She's from Weald District. We've got Matt from Morling in Kent and Helen from Gravesham in Kent. So that made up, as you've, if you've worked it out, there were five girls and five boys, which worked out quite nicely when it was allocating cabins and things like that. So five girls, five boys. Um, there are a couple of other people that were involved in our project. Um, so we have Emma here, she was going to be one of the Scottish Scouts, but she became a teacher. <laughs> and her teacher training meant that unfortunately she couldn't go to Antarctica with us. But she's still very much part of the project. And also um, we, we have Laura, she's from Folkestone, she was one of the leaders that was going to go and she had to drop out of the actual expedition because of uh, she looks after a farm with all her animals um, and couldn't go. 
Hey, so that's the team. So we're ready to head off to Antarctica now. Let's head off to Antarctica. Given the choice, that's that's it. I know. Emma, Emma, Emma had that real dilemma because she'd just been accepted as a teacher and she had to decide. And it was a yeah. What a tough decision. So we're going to head down to Antarctica. Um, so I've got some themes here. We've got getting going, all aboard, setting sail. The Drake Passage, the infamous Drake Passage, you'll hear about that if you're learning about Antarctica. It's the roughest sea in the world. Um, Covid days, interesting. Uh, we're going to do a bit on wildlife, a bit on the Antarctic Peninsula. So does anyone know what a peninsula is? We need the map. <laughs> so I have brought you a little present for your wall. There you go. So if we hold it up uh, the right way. Now can anyone guess what a peninsula is? It's that little arm, yeah. So when I'm showing you all these pictures happened around the Antarctic Peninsula, okay? And it's the most popular place for people to visit when they go to Antarctica. Easiest to get to, yeah? So it's a little first gift for you. I've got a few Thank other you. gifts for you. Thank you very much. That's the first one. Um, so peninsula, and then uh, Port Lockroy. Now that was a very special place. We're gonna show you that. And then, if I've got time, I'll tell you a little bit about what we did after Antarctica. But we'll just see how the time goes. Okay. Right, getting going. So if you're going off to Antarctica, you need to take some kit with you. Um, this was all our group kit. So this isn't our personal kit. This was the group kit bag. And you can see in here, there's my sound recorder. My project has been to do a podcast. And I've been doing the podcast for two and a half years now, all the way to Antarctica and back. I've been in interviewing famous explorers and so on. So you can see there's my sound recorder and lots of, lots of camera kit, um, other bits of kit. Does anyone have an idea what that might be? Okay, it's called a hydrophone and it allows you to record underwater. Now, obviously in Antarctica, you can hear things like the, the ice cracking underwater. You can also, if you're really lucky, hear things like seals and whales, because sound travels underwater for, for miles. So you can, it's a really, really good device. So that's my hydrophone. And that was our plaque that we took. So there's a laptop, yeah, I took a laptop. Now this is all my personal kit. So this is what went in my bag. And you can see here, uh, lots of warm clothes, lots of jumpers. There's my request t-shirt, um, books to read, my, my snacks, I've got, I've got apricots and so on. Really important to have these. They're sort of super welly boots for walking on the ice um, and on the ship. But that was my personal kit. And this coat is super warm. So. I also took some little mementos and uh, my wife gave me, because I was going to be away for a whole month, my wife gave me a lovely ship in a bottle and it was great because it folded up when it was in my bag, but I could put that by my bedside on the boat when we were on the ship. So my wife gave me the ship in the bottle and then there's my, um, so that was that, and then there was my dreamstone. I had a little dreamstone. I have, I've had this for about 12 years. I'm healthy and wealthy enough to enjoy a wonderful trip to Antarctica. Well, I can please tell you that came true. Um, it's, it's, it's not cheap going to Antarctica. 
Uh, so we'll, we'll just cover the money. How much do you think it cost each of us for this project? So it was £140,000 for all 10 of us. So it's £14,000 each. It was not a cheap place to go, as you can imagine. And we had to do a lot of fundraising. There's my granddad's war medal that I always take on all my expeditions. Okay. arriving in Ushuaia. Now Ushuaia is right at the foot of South America, as far as you can go South, South America. It's the southernmost city in Argentina and that's where we sailed from. Okay, so we're getting going. After three days locked down in a hotel, because we weren't allowed to go anywhere because of Covid, we had to lock down in our hotel rooms for three days. We finally were allowed out and um, this is us arriving in Ushuaia. It was Christmas, obviously. We arrived on Boxing Day, so they still had the Christmas hat on the Ushuaia sign. How long was the uh, was it a direct flight? Uh, we went via Madrid. And how so long it, did the flight take? Oh, it was a long flight, sixteen hours or something. Yeah, it's a long flight. Um, this is us locked down in the hotel. And you can just, it was a bit, we could see the ship from our hotel window. We weren't allowed to go and come view it because of the COVID. So we could see the ship that we'd be going to Antarctica on for three days. So it was there. And was that just part of the quarantine? So that was the ship insisted on that. So it wasn't the country. It was uh, the ship wanted everyone to lock down for three days before boarding uh, to try and minimise the chances of COVID. We were all tested before getting on the ship. Um, this is the day we're allowed out. You can see Matt punching the air at the back there because we've finally been allowed out of the hotel. So, okay. That's the a permanent crew. So the Bark Europa has a permanent crew that sails it all over the world. And they were teaching us about sailing, teaching us how to coil ropes. We're all aboard now. We're ready to set off to Antarctica. This is how the ship looks when it's in full sail. It's absolutely fantastic, it really is. There's 27 sails on, on the Bark Europa. Um, you can just see the main mast there with, with some of the sails. And we were in a watch system. Um, so we had, to, uh, we had blue watch, red watch uh, and white watch. I was in white watch. And you can see we did four hour shifts. So for the five days all the way down to Antarctica, we were doing these four hour shifts. Every now and again, you do a two hour shift to change over. So this was my watch. So Darcy um, and Genevieve uh, were with me uh, from Kent Scouts, but there were a whole load of other people from all over the world, Germans, French, um, Dutch, um, all, all sorts of uh, different people, an American on the end there. So we got to travel with these other people that were visiting Antarctica. So, we've set sail now, the infamous Drake Passage. It really is one of the roughest pieces of water in the world. Um, quite scary, um, and at times uh, the water comes over the deck. So we've got a little film of that. So all of us were given a yellow bucket in case we got seasick. Okay, you can see here how it's starting to get quite rough. And this is not me praying, this is me. <laughs> I am actually uh, holding a rope at, at this point. Um, so I'll show a little bit of this film because I'm aware of the time. Um, you'll get to see how rough it goes. You can see already the water coming over the deck can be a bit disconnected. 
things changed for me personally. We'd been tested for COVID in the UK. We were tested when we got to Argentina. We were tested the day before we got on the ship. Five days into the voyage, they did a routine test. We all thought it would be a formality and I came back positive. So the day I arrived, after planning this for seven years, the day I arrived in Antarctica, I found out I was positive for COVID. Uh, couldn't have timed it worse really so there's my positive test and uh, I got to see the rest of the team I got to see all the wildlife I got to see all the scenery I just couldn't be with the team for those seven days and, the, and then the extra three days that we were in isolation um, we were in a very small cabin so uh, Axel used to sit on the toilet to use his computer it was that small and uh, you did have the lid down. Um, <laughs> and this is me eating my dinner on the floor. And there's, I'll give you a tour of the cabin. Here you go. Hi, folks. Uh, so this is the famous cabin one uh, where Axel and I have spent seven days in isolation. Um, we've been allowed out on deck. Uh, so but uh, it really has been quite a small cabin. I'll give you a quick guided tour, are you ready? So, this is Axel's bed, this is my bed, this is the floor, and this is the door. That's it, where we can store things. And we do have a bathroom where Axel has eaten most of his breakfasts, and uh, I've sat on the floor down here. So there we go. Cabin one. That's cabin one. Silent. So, Alan, do you yep. think, although this was a, a different ship to Endurance, yeah. you yeah. said it sort of like had a lot more technology on it, yeah. do, you, do you think um, that the original Endurance, the cabins would have been similar to that? Very similar. similar. Very so, similar. So, when we're asking you this week yeah. to, to sort of picture what it would have been like, that Yeah, cabin very small little bunks. It would have been exactly, I've, I've, you know, I've seen uh, the Scots Discovery ship, which would have been yeah. similar again. And it is very small little cabins. But just without the toilet, uh, I'm imagining. No, they wouldn't have had the toilet. They wouldn't have had a the toilet. They wouldn't have had the toilet. So um, I can tell you a little bit about the history of this, that there was a secret operation called Operation Tabarit uh, during the Second World War. And our scout, who went with Shackleton in 1921, James Marr, uh, he was selected as the leader of Operation Tabarit. And uh, he came to here to Port Lockroy. Um, and established uh, Base A, uh, and they established another, a uh, few other bases in the region, one at Deception Island and, and some other bases in the region. Now, that was called Operation Tabarin during the war. Okay, so we've been down to Antarctica um, and uh, got to visit a bit of South America at the end, but I've concentrated on the Antarctica bits because that's what your project's on. So we'll break there, I think, for now.
This was a, a gift that was given to me by the rest of the team after the project. I thought I'd show you that. So all the uh, 18 to 25-year-olds are shown as little chicks, and then those of us that are over 25 are shown as emperor penguins. So they gave me that. I've got this on my wall at home. Press on with the rest. So let's uh, start with the classic clips. So I thought you'd like to see those little clips. Um, right, so we're going to look at the objectives. We're going to look at the objectives of the project now. So we had 10 objectives. The first was the voyage, projects, centenary, plaques, outreach, Thames, Plymouth, Shackleton, which is very relevant for you guys, uh, links and legacy. Okay. Now, obviously, I've talked to you about the voyage, so we're not going to spend any more time on that. But I do want to tell you about our projects, because some of them are very relevant to you learning about Antarctica. So we'll have a look at the projects. Now, each of the ten of us did a project. And you've already heard that mine was about sound. So this is a little bit on my project. Doing some underwater sound recording, and uh, got the most perfect bay here. It's covered in uh, small bits of ice, and uh, seeing what sounds I can get. Obviously, I get the sound of the ice cracking and uh, making a lovely sort of bubbly ice noise underwater. So I've done some recording of that. I've done some uh, video of the surface of the ice with the sound and I'm going to see what else I can get. Hopefully we can pick up some animals as well over time if we get any, anything from close. Sound will travel 10-20 miles underwater so we could potentially pick up whale song. So this is video that I recorded to go with the sound of the uh, recording underneath the ice. So those videos are on our YouTube channel. And um, the seal makes a sort of, it's, it's like a cracking noise, almost like a, like if you were tuning into a radio. Um, but we didn't hear any whale song, unfortunately. Yeah, so what's happening is you've got, um, icebergs all around and the, the ice is breaking off the icebergs and just getting smaller and smaller and then just sort of floating around so this is called bergy bits so you have icebergs and bergy bits so bergy bits are just little bits of iceberg uh, that are moving around um, and you, you can hit, see here you've got sort of obviously one lot's coming from one way and one's coming from the others so there'll be a bit of swell from the ship that's probably caused that um, that movement So my project was all uh, to do a podcast. So I've I've got um, I've got a little gift for you afterwards, which is a, a USB stick, Penguin USB stick, and all my podcasts are on there. Um, so there, there's various different ones 
uh, that you can have a listen to if you wish. Thank you very much. Let's uh, move that on. Kathy's project was about seasickness. Um, so she was looking at um, the team as her samples. So we were her, her, her samples, her, or her, her uh, guinea pigs, as it were, um, to, to, to try and work out who would be seasick and who wouldn't. So she looked at various different predictors as to whether we'd be seasick. Uh, certain um, tests that you can do in advance to try and predict whether someone would be seasick or not. So she did lots and lots of research. Here we are in the Great Passage, actually quite a calm day today, but known as one of the roughest seas in the world. So this is the reason I chose to do a motion as my project So I'm looking into whether you can predict who's going to be the most So I don't know if you heard all of that, but she's essentially saying that she tried to predict it and she was the worst. <laughs> so, um, you need to yeah. the ropes. Yes. Did you get caught on the head with those at all? You have to be very careful, <laughs> yeah. To, so um, it, it's called the widow maker. Right, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's the nickname of okay. them, yeah, for obvious reasons. Because yeah. <laughs> the crew, if they were hit by them, no, you're just really sensible. They give you loads of safety talk when you go on board. So you just make sure you're not in the right place at the wrong place at the wrong time. You know. Yeah, yeah, when they're moving. So that was Kathy's project. Um, Matt did his about electricity generation, um, and um, there's lots of information about on our website and stuff about Matt's and on the YouTube channel. Uh, he looked at all the different Antarctic bases and how electricity was generated there. So obviously, there's a lot of um, wind and solar is used in Antarctica. So it's really interesting for electricity. So that was Matt. George had a very ambitious project. His was to try and create 3D iceberg simulations. So he would take photographs all the way around an iceberg and then feed that into some computer software that would create a 3D model of the iceberg. He had varying degrees of success with this. Um, one of the difficulties you can imagine of photographing an iceberg and then trying to get the actual shape of the iceberg is the background and the iceberg are all white so it's really hard to actually pick out where the iceberg is in some of the pictures but the software you know he had, he had some success um, certainly learned a lot about it Darcy's project 
she created a giant quilt. This quilt is bigger than this screen, um, and it's made up of little squares. And what they what, this may be something you could do as a project. So you, you all create your own little square about Antarctica, and then just put them into together in the shape of a quilt of Antarctica. So and join them all together. She also did lots of fantastic watercolours. You can see there, and we've got a a little video here of Darcy talking about her watercolours. During our trip, we've been um, where we've been going. I've been kind of capturing little moments of the trip in watercolour. Yeah. Um, so there's different parts of the book, Europa, little memory snapshots of um, the trip. So we've got a Jensi penguin there. Um, here's some ones that I'm working on. So I'm putting the watercolour down and then putting the fine line on top. So I've got this one and this one to do of the whaling station. Um, so that's in Deception Island. And you're just going through and taking the best parts and the bits that you remember, the, um, what I am remembering, um, and doing it in a different way. That's Darcy's watercolours. They're, they're fantastic, some of them. You can see here the one she did of the ship. I absolutely love that. And one she did of Port Lockbury with the penguin. So, so that was Darcy's project. Uh, Helen did hers on plastic pollution in the oceans. Um, Genevieve did one all about how, how we reacted to the cold. So again, we were used as guinea pigs. We had to do little experiments every day. Every time we'd been out in the cold and back again, she would test us to see if we, um, you know, our heart rate had gone up and uh, testing like um, um, other things like blood pressure and so on. So that was quite an interesting study she did. Lucy's is about climate change. Um, so she did uh, a whole climate change uh, badge for the beavers and cubs and scouts and guides uh, called Stop Climate Change. So she came up with the idea of this badge. And there's a website uh, it, that you can actually go and you can um, do all the activities to find out about climate change. It's called Climate Quest that she set up. Um, when she was in Antarctica, she recorded this um, little video for you. Tells you about her thoughts on climate change in Antarctica. So my project is about climate change education, particularly for young people and particularly in relation to Antarctica and the causes and effects of climate change in Antarctica. On the voyage itself, I've actually learned lots of really interesting things about climate change by speaking to the crew that work on the Barkley Rover, the tall ship that we've been sailing on. Um, a few things, they, things they've said that really resonated with me were things like the Drake's Passage, which was the, um, the area of ocean that we had to sail over to get to the peninsula. One of the crew members said that it has become noticeably less stormy in the last few years, and he attributes this to climate and climatic changes. Uh, also, our, one of our guides, Sarah, she said that um, there's, this, there's this red snow algae that lives under the first top layer of snow. Um, and with climate change, it's likely that more of the snow will melt and reveal this layer of red algae. Um, so kind of as, as the next few years progress, it's likely that more of the snow in Antarctica will look, start to look more red, almost as if the snow is bleeding, which is quite a dramatic metaphor. Um, and finally, uh, our third guide, actually, um, Beth, was 
showing us today a tidal glacier, which is a glacier that sticks out over, into, over the land on top of the ocean. Um, she was saying that these glaciers, they've seen them each, each year they come to Antarctica, they've seen them recede, they get closer and closer to the land. Uh, these glaciers are the, are the most uh, susceptible to climate change because they're touching the ocean water um, and that is uh, heating up and causing it to melt faster than glaciers that are just on land. Um, so yeah, it's been really interesting being in Antarctica itself and seeing some of the changes firsthand. Um, it's also really shown me how important it is to protect places like this because they are so exceptional and so stunning and um, when they're some of the most vulnerable places on the planet, it really makes you think about the actions that you take and how you can help to protect them. So that's Lucy's project. She's done loads on climate change. Uh, our next project is... Alex and he did his on something called ionospherics and it's all about how the electricity in the atmosphere affects uh, the weather and affects um, uh, at the poles is particularly at the poles so you get like um, sort of electrical currents in the atmosphere and it can affect things like he, he did it on how it can affect a compass so you know when you have like a mag magnet magnetism on the compass and the compass will actually spin round in Antarctica. It doesn't know what to do because of all the ionospherics going on in the atmosphere. So you can't even find north. So And everywhere should be north from Antarctica. <laughs> Did they come up with these projects themselves? They yeah, it was part of their selection was to present their project idea. So we had a whole load of people come for... And obviously we didn't want to take 10 photographers. Cause, <laughs> so it really helped us do the selection. So we had a whole load of young people wanted to go. Uh, but they had to put forward their project idea to actually be selected. Yeah. Very We've got a whole mix yeah, as yeah, well, which was nice. It wasn't all art or, or all science, or you know. So we had all sorts. Um, then Sam's project, uh, one of the other Scottish scouts, he got to deploy two of these Argo floats. They're actually bigger than him. Look at the size of it. Um, now, what is an Argo float? Well. These are in the seas all over the world, and they record climate data, um, the temperature of the sea, um, the currents in the sea, and so on. And all that information gets fed up to a satellite, and that is then stored in a big database called the Argo database. So now the problem they have with these Argo floats is there's many thousands of them around the world. Um, but there's not many down in Antarctica because the ships that go down there can't normally deploy something like this because they're big cruise ships. They're not, they're not geared up. Whereas we were going down there in a sailing ship. So we got asked to take two of these floats and we put them over the side of the boat and we actually got to deploy two of the floats and we can track our two floats and we can see exactly how far they've moved in the current. We can see what data they've brought back. So all that data is freely available on the Argo website. You can have a look at the Argo website and you can have a look at any of the uh, floats all around the world and the data they're giving back. So. And then we had our group project. So this was called the task project. So as a group, we did one big project. And we had this net here that was given to us by British Antarctic Survey. And the scout that went 100 years ago used this net to capture krill samples. Right, so who knows what krill is? Yeah, it's like a shrimp, okay? So you're right, tiny fish creature, like a shrimp, okay? The only word I'll take out of that is tiny. They're actually quite, quite big. They're sort of about the 
size of your uh, uh, or, or size of my um, uh, thumb there from there to there. So they're they're quite quite sizable really. Um, whales eat them, seals eat them, and so on. So we're going to find out a little bit about krill. Okay. So our project was to educate young people about krill and their importance uh, to the food chain in Antarctica. And we, we got given this net and we put it over the side and we were taking krill samples and those have gone back to British Antarctic Survey and they're going to compare them with the data from uh, uh, back, back when the scout took his data. So we're going to actually have comparison data. So we're going to be able to see uh, how it's changed. Right, let's... Uh find out a little bit about krill. In the cold, deep waters of the Southern Ocean, a team of heroes assembles. Heroes unlike any you've seen before. If you don't know the name yet, now is the time. Krill. Hopefully that'll help you remember some of the facts about krill. So what I did was when we were in Antarctica, I got the team to all list a fact about krill. Unfortunately, the sound quality wasn't brilliant, so we have got subtitles at the bottom, so you should be able to read the subtitles, see what they're saying for some of them. But here we've got a whole load of krill facts. Facts. Can I say superior as a subtitle? Yeah. Superior. 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 So we took that net and we did 12 samples. So we, we would put the net over the side, we'd drop it down for 50 metres and pull it up and it would take uh, krill larvae and krill that were in the um, water uh, levels as it was coming up. So all the way up you get different sizes of krill um, and different ages of krill. Um, so that all that data is going to be studied so that we can find out how much krill were in the areas that we were in. You can just see a bit of film here of us putting the net over the side. So it was hard work because uh, every time we wanted to deploy the krill net, we had to stop the ship. We had to uh, get the krill net up onto the up, up onto the yard arm so one of the crew would help us with that. And then we'd all work as a team to pull it back up again. And I was running around to pull it back up. So we'd then pull up the net. Now, it's not the net itself that collects the sample. If you look at the bottom, there's like a brass um, container. And that brass container is what collects the sample. So it, it gets fed down through the net into this brass container. So it's a very old piece of kit, but a very good piece of kit. We would then take that brass container and that would then get put into a sample bottle with some preservatives so that because obviously we had to bring it all the way back from Antarctica back to the UK. Um, so just what I'm So she's rinsing it out to make sure that when we use it again, then we get a brand new sample. Because you don't want anything from the previous sample affecting the next sample. To do it.
is on our YouTube channel so that's our project so 10 projects and then our big group project that was the Krill project let's go back to Shackleton right so we just got time to talk a little bit about Sir Ernest Shackleton so Shackleton's been a great inspiration to me over the years um, I've always been interested in Antarctic explorers uh, but his story you've already heard about the endurance story haven't you so his story uh, is quite a powerful one when it comes to leadership. So he was an Edwardian gentleman, um, and he lived 100 years ago, and uh, looked quite smart in that photo, and this is him looking very rugged in Antarctica. So um, He did have a go at trying to reach the South Pole um, on the Nimrod expedition, which was 1907. Um, he didn't actually make it to the South Pole, but they were about 100 miles off. And this is a photo of them with the British flag. And at the time, they were the closest people to, to get to the South Pole. The Quest Expedition, which is the one we created, that's when Shackleton had his heart attack. So there were four expeditions that he went to Antarctica. The first one was with uh, um, Captain Scott. So we've got Captain Scott here, the famous explorer. He's the one that died trying to get to Antarctica later. Okay. But here's Shackleton as part of Captain Scott's crew. So the first time Shackleton went to Antarctica, he wasn't in charge. He went with Captain Scott. Then in 1907, we heard he went back again and he had a go at the pole. These are real people. This is uh, how, how they looked when they got back from their attempt at the pole. And the four of them that had been down there. Then the third expedition is the one you've all heard about. It's the famous transantarctic expedition, the Endurance Ship. Okay, And this is the one where Shackleton saved all of his men. The ship crashed in the ice um, and, and sunk in the ice. And he saved all of his men uh, by uh, staying on the ice for a number of months. So the ice moved. And they eventually got to Elephant Island, and from Elephant Island, they then uh, rode um, all the way to South Georgia to actually rescue the men that were left on Elephant Island. This happened during World War I, so 1914, 1915, 1916. Shackleton got special permission from the Prime Minister to be able to go on the expedition, because obviously he and his men should really have been going to war. So this is the famous expedition you've been looking at. So uh, it sort of starts up here when they left uh, South Georgia. They go down to the pack ice. They get heavy pack ice building up. It gets heavier and heavier. And then the endurance gets trapped in the ice. And then the endurance was crushed and they had to abandon the ship. And the endurance then sinks. And that was in uh, November two, uh, 1915. They then had the clever idea of drifting on the ice flow to get over to Elephant Island. He then left most of his men on Elephant Island, and six of them, they then went on the James Caird lifeboat. And they went 800 nautical miles, which is in kilometers, 1,500 kilometers. So it was a long, long way. They rode for 17 days from Elephant Island to South Georgia. Now, for anyone, that would be an amazing feat. 
and they, the fact they actually did that and they got to South Georgia. But then you probably heard that, that two of them, or three of them, then had to walk over South Georgia to the other side, to the whaling station. They actually landed on the wrong side of the island, so they actually had to climb, or they were the very first three people to climb the mountain over South Georgia. Yeah. In our stories, um, reading about yeah. they slid down the side of the mountain. That's right. Because I, I think that it's seems incredible. a little bit like it was made up. In our no, it's, a no true. it's all true. It's true. So what happened was Shackleton worked out that at the pace they were going, when they were at the top of the mountain, that if they carried on at that pace with the weather coming in and whatever, that they just simply weren't going to survive. So the only chance was for them to slide down and they risked everything. So the, the, the three of them got onto some rope. They didn't have a sledge with them or anything. They sat on coils of rope and they all joined up and they went down thinking they might be plummeting to their death. They could have gone over a ledge, they could have gone over anything, and they managed to get down the mountain in time to actually survive. So it's an incredible story. And the history, uh, they've looked at the weather conditions around that time, and if the weather had been different by a week or two, there's no way they would have survived. They were really lucky with the window of weather they had as they crossed that mountain. It's this incredible story of survival. He then spent months and months and four different ships to get all of his men back from Elephant Island and not a man died from Elephant Island. No, we, so, we did a show yeah. of hands in, in our class of uh, how many, when we were reading yeah. the stories, of how many people do you think he, yeah. he managed to get back? Yeah. And it was like one, two, wasn't it? Yeah, we were, we were he, got, he saved hopeful. every one yeah. of his men. Every yeah, one, so. yeah. Okay. So that's the endurance story. Now the endurance story ended there a hundred years ago, but you probably heard in the news this year, fantastic, that in February, March this year, uh, they found the endurance. Now I went to a talk on Friday night by somebody called Menson Bown. Um, so this is Menson Bown. He was the chap that worked for many, many years uh, to try and work out where the endurance would be. And uh, I went and met him on Friday and he's signed my book um, to Alan from Menson, and he's released this book for Christmas, which is the story of the finding of the Endurance, so the ship under the ice. Um, it's one of the most famous expedition ships, and um, there's, they're, they're currently making a documentary about the finding of the Endurance that you'll be able to watch in due course. So look out for that when it comes out. In the meantime, there's a few videos and photographs up on the web that you can find of the finding of the... It's amazing they found it after oh, all these years. Oh, it's it's moved, yeah. wasn't it? And they, they haven't... That's that it. Right? It's just because it's, it's moving it's along the very, sea, It's not moved very far from right. where the original coordinates were that they thought it might be. So we've been very lucky with our project because Shackleton's granddaughter has been our patron. Uh, this is yeah, Alexandra Shackleton. She's uh, Shackleton's granddaughter. So she's our patron. She technically owns the ship, so so she because it's so there's a big big debate going on. Um, in the past, things like the Mary Rose, you may have heard of the Mary Rose at, at Portsmouth. They did bring it up, and it needed lots of treatment and stuff to actually preserve that wreck. Shackleton's granddaughter doesn't want it moved. She wants it left down there, um, and. There's one argument that says that it's in the best place because it's been preserved for 100 years. Look at the condition it's in after 100 years. If they bring it up, who knows what might happen to it and it might actually crumble. It might, yeah. it might fall into pieces. It's also very, very, very deep. 
really right. deep. Not like uh, the Mary Rose was out in Portsmouth Harbour. This is very deep, so bringing it up might damage the whole thing. So they're taking video and, and photos and they're creating a, a virtual model of it yeah, for people to see. So here's a timeline. Shackleton was born in 1874. He died on the expedition we recreated in 1922. Um, so the Nimrod expedition, it was 1909 when he went for the pole. And then the endurance uh, expedition that you've been looking at was 1914, during World War I. Now, there's this mention of the Ross Sea Party. So he w it was called the Trans-Antarctic, uh, Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition. They were going to try and cross Antarctica. So they actually had a whole other load of people, the Ross Sea Party, that were on the other side of Antarctica that were setting up bases and food for them as they came over so that they could get all the way across Antarctica. Sadly, some people from the Ross Sea Party did die on that expedition. What Shackleton wanted was glory. He wanted to be recognised as, as you know, doing something amazing. So back then, I suppose, now we had Tim Peake go to the International Space Station these days, didn't we? So back then, he was trying to do something so that he would be recognised. And he was all about being recognised for doing something really special. So. Because no one had been to the South Pole, he wanted that. And of course, once someone had been there, he wanted something else. He wanted to go across Antarctica. Right. Do you remember the name of the person who did get to the South Pole? Yes, well done, Roald Anderson. Yeah, so I'm, I'm secretly super excited to say that on Friday this week, I'm flying to Oslo to go to Roald Anderson's Museum of the Fram. So wow. uh, my wife and I are going to see that this weekend. So yeah, gonna be able to talk about Amundsen's project. So to raise money for our project, this is the actual James Caird. It's not a replica. This is the James Caird lifeboat. It's up in Dulwich College in London. And this is um, the restored James Caird. And I was pleased to say we got permission to put rowing machines either side of the James Caird. And we rowed 1,500 kilometers, 800 nautical miles over 17 days. Um, we started the first day we did it here. To, uh, to raise money for our project, and raised thousands for, uh, for our project. So I've got a little video on that. That's it. They used it as a tent, put canvas on the side. And to survive, yeah. yeah. So I've got one, one minute video, and then we've got a little bit of time for questions. So this was my final day in Antarctica. So it's our final day in Antarctica, and this is our final landing. 
just sitting here on the beach, just taking in these dramatic landscapes with glaciers. I've got seals up behind me, big penguin colony, penguins on the beach, penguins leaping through the water. I've seen a seal swim past me through the water. Uh, there's a dark there behind me. And it's so still, so beautiful. Uh, really has been a special place. This just feels like the best national park in the world. And we need to keep this place for mankind. Um, it shouldn't be owned by anybody. Uh, I will fully support the Antarctic Treaty. I don't think any country should have claims on Antarctica. Really, really proud of the team. They've really worked hard uh, to do their projects and uh, enjoy the whole experience. And I hope that each of them goes back and shares something about this experience with other younger people, inspire them to follow their dreams. Request 2021, absolutely amazing experience and something I will treasure forever. So, do we have any questions at all? So, I'm just uh, left Downs Primary School and uh, after two hours with the Year Sixes, they were ask asking some fantastic questions and uh, really, really good to be talking to some of the younger generation about krill and climate change and some of our projects that we were doing and uh, I know they're going to be doing some artwork this afternoon which is great about Antarctica um, and then they're learning all about Shackleton and some of the history of Antarctica so uh, that was really enjoyable and uh, the teachers were lovely and really nice to meet everyone at the Downs. <laughs> So this marks the official end of the Request 2021 podcast series. The sound quality hasn't always been brilliant, but I do hope that these episodes stand as a testament to our achievements. That's my personal project completed now, and I would like to thank everyone that I've interviewed and recorded along the way, and also my personal project mentor, Graham Maxwell, for his advice on dealing with sound recording in Antarctica. If you haven't yet listened to all the earlier episodes, I'd encourage you to do so. There are some fascinating stories and thoughts about Antarctica and exploration in general. Now the project legacy continues. At the time of producing this podcast, uh, we have a scouting polar research fund now of £5,000, which is growing all the time. Each of the team members are still involved in outreach and spreading the word as ambassadors for Antarctica. And we're in the final stages of setting up the Request Foundation to establish the criteria for obtaining the Iceberg Award and for administering the Request Polar Research Fund. That's going to be for scouts and guides to undertake polar research in the future. So thanks for listening. You can find out more about the project at 
www.request2021.org.uk.